0: Hello and welcome to Sonoran Desert Institute School of Firearms Technologies official podcast, The Gun Rack. Hello and welcome to The Gun Rack, Sonoran Desert Institute School of Firearms Technologies official podcast. I am Josiah Upper. Folks call me Joey. And with me is one. Drew Poplin. Drew Poplin is on the clues. Blues Clues. Ooh. Yeah, I know. This is a sick Blue's Clues reference mm. right here. First minute. Let's go.
1: <laughs> we, we bring you only the most topical of information. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and
0: our topic today, speaking of topical information, is going to be tactical pants. Um, or as I've been calling it, as I've been planning this, tactical pants, because... It deserves some sort of theme. Um, We're going to be talking about tactical pants. What kinds are there? Are they really necessary? What do you want when you're looking for a tactical pant? And uh, we're going to be, we're going to have a good time with that. But before that, and the the reason I was thinking Drew's Clues is because we are going to go into the Name That Gun segment. So, uh, before we give the answer for next week, we're going to uh, we're going to be having Drew give us the clues for what's coming next Joey, week. You, yeah, Joey, Drew Poplin is on
1: the clues. The Drew's clues. Drew's clues. All right. So this gun. Um, it was first introduced in 1960. It fires 22 rimfire cartridge. It's self-loading, and it's known for being extremely affordable.
0: Yep. This is a 22 L R firing platform. And uh, I bet that at least uh, we get, we get a, you know, couple to a few hundred listeners per podcast episode. I would say that uh, I would be willing to to wager that 10% of you have one of these. If not, it's close. Um, and of course that's not a binding agreement or a Sonoran Desert Institute claim or anything else at all. This is me conjecturing without consequence because, uh, it's my podcast. (laughs) Um, but last week's answer, uh, for those of you who are just dying to know is the Mossberg 500, my very first firearm ever was a Mossberg 500 a, uh, which I, sold uh several years later and i think about the fact that i sold that firearm all the time i bought it for 125 dollars and uh new i bought it new for 125 dollars i think i think it was new if it was not new it was barely used the point is uh the value was there and i let it go and turned it uh, back on it I did, and it's still, I think the Mossberg 500 is the best pump action shotgun in that middle range that you can get. A lot of other people like the um, the Remington 870, that's totally okay, but uh, Mossberg 500's king. Deal with it.
1: Um, and if there's one thing we learned over this past week with it being Valentine's Day, it's do not let a good thing go.
0: Don't let a good thing go. That's right. Um <laughs> Are you, are you trying to tell us something?
1: No. <laughs> no, everything's fine.
0: Yeah. The the important thing is that this is not suspicious at all.
1: No.
0: Um, so we're going to talk about tactical pants. What are they? Why would you want to wear them? What do we want out of a good one? And then some uh, overviews. So... Uh, what gives us any authority to talk about tactical pants? The fact of the matter is, there are people more qualified to do this than us. Uh, but unfortunately for you, none of them are on this podcast. So I have leaned into the uh, research and talks of one Grand Thumb. Uh, Grand Thumb is a, a pretty big YouTube personality, he's also uh, someone that we sponsor at uh sonoran desert institute uh he has been a great uh, affiliate of ours for some time uh, he is a great dude and uh he he gave a really good talk on tactical pants which i've used he he had two major videos on it which one uh which combat pants should you buy and combat pants overview um to find out uh, all that we could about this topic so without any further ado let's
1: get into yeah. it yeah joey um what are tactical pants now uh, in my head i'm imagining like you know like a nice pair of carpenter shorts uh,
0: that's <laughs> no incorrect the um yeah they're they're stretchy jean up, shorts man. um the <laughs> There's are stretchy jean shorts at uh at their peak no mm-hmm. combat pants or tactical pants here's what you want from them uh from a combat pant you want uh or let's go back what are they tactical pants are pants that are going to include a few things uh in case you need to be using these things in intense Uh, extremely demanding conditions. Uh, Often that's going to include stretch panels uh, for comfort and ease of use. Uh, Often that's going to include built-in knee pads, although the technical pants I own do not. Uh, They need good pocket placement and good quality pockets, and they need to be of a high quality material uh, so that these things will not go out on you. So why would you want to wear tactical slash combat pants? Uh, Ideally. What's that? Because they look cool. Yeah. Master cool. We actually talk about that very shortly. There are three uh, subtopics, three categories of uh, tactical slash combat pants out there, according to Garantham. And uh, one of them is uh, going to be in that family. Uh, But ideally... The reason you'd want to wear tactical slash combat pants is they take care of a wearer's need for capacity, a cargo carrying capacity in tactical situations. Uh, and they reinforce areas of clothing to withstand high stress, heavy wear and tear, including often uh, waist area reinforcement so that you can carry more things on, like a belt and knee reinforcement. So if you're getting on your knees, um, you've got some backup there. Hmm. Uh, so because of that, what are we going to want out of a good combat pant drew when you think combat pant what are you looking for outside of the cargo short
1: i was going to say it's camo or nothing for me yeah um just for your practicality sake i'd say you probably want something that um is durable like it can hold up um if pockets are a big deal i'd want something like you know i'd want the pockets to not be super inconvenient you know like those uh, little pockets they have on jeans where you put like pennies presumably yeah yeah I don't want that I don't know what what else do you think
0: well I've always used that little thing for a pocket knife but the um so we're looking at uh, four big big things that we're gonna want so good material we've already talked about that uh, we want a slim cut if we can get it you're not always going to get it you want something that fits you well, right? Like you would want out of any good piece of clothing. You want good pocket placement, which Drew uh, referred to a little earlier. You want pockets in a place where they're not going to inconvenience you if you have to go through a variety of positions, um, but still accessible. So if you need stuff, you can get it. And then uh, I just realized I'm wearing tactical pants right literally right now. I didn't do that on
1: purpose, but here we are. Uh, Do do Walmart sweatpants count because I also am (laughs) <laughs> uh i think if they
0: were target sweatpants i would say no but walmart that's if you're gonna engage in some serious hardcore work you could i feel like you can bust out the walmart pants yeah it's, um,
1: it's it's tactical for uh maximum comfort
0: the the elastic waist um is is really gonna hold pretty much whatever you need on it. Um, I wonder if we could sew belt loops to to the waist.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you what. Next time we go out to the range, I'll make sure that I'm wearing my Walmart sweatpants.
0: Do that. I will do the same as I have many pairs. So um, we got good material. We got slim Slim cut, cut good pocket placement. And then uh, reinforcement where needed. And we're talking about fabric reinforcement. No one wants their pants to blow out somewhere. I mean, if you're doing a lot of things without, you know, without being too indelicate, the, um, the crotch area of a pant um, can, I mean, it's pretty easy to blow it out under overly rigorous conditions. So that is what we're trying to avoid along with other places, right? Um, you don't want things to tear. Um, and if you, if they do tear, you want uh, them to be easily repairable and you want some sort of rip stop, which we'll talk about. Um, <laughs> my favorite quote from the, uh, the video who, who should be wanting, uh, tactical pants. It's if you're heading to the range and you want to look like a veteran, but you don't want to go full tactical, then the tactical is for you. That's from grand Thumb. So when you bring the Walmart sweatpants through, um, you're signaling to everyone there, uh, that you are both savvy and not hardworking enough to uh, go full tactical when you go to the range day. <laughs> yeah. um, so, so you're both knowledgeable and lazy, and and a try hard. So, so, what what kind of pants are out there? So we got three major categories, as Grand Thumb defines them. We have the Airslop, air slot, wow, airsoft slash cosplay pants. We've got the BDU slash ACU style pants, and then we've got cry type pants that's c-r-y-e category one which i think i think at least everyone in my generation growing up that wanted to have cool stuff before they were really old enough to buy cool stuff has fallen for this adults fall for it all the time but it's um airsoft slash cosplay pants are going to be knockoffs of bigger brands who make better quality stuff he specifically referenced flash force industries where you don't have good sections for knee pads. And as he, as he says it, uh, if you want to look cool at your Yu-Gi-Oh match, these are for you. And uh, he also said, uh, he calls them airsoft sl- Wow. I cannot say airsoft today, airsoft slash com- uh, cosplay pants. But he also says a lot of them are too, uh, aren't sufficient for airsofting. <laughs> so, um, the general idea is you want something a little more rugged than what these pants offer. A lot of these pants are going to capitalize off of the aesthetic of better established brands while trying to cut corners in terms of quality to provide value to the people that are trying to get that aesthetic down. But if you're trying to do tactical things, you're trying to do high speed things, this ain't go fly, right? It's, well, it might fly exactly once. And then, you know, you have, torn the the specific story he told um was of a guy who did bought something similar to this and was either paintball or air softing, um paintballing or air softing, i don't recall and uh, almost immediately in a fall or winter day the pants split down to the thigh oh, wow. and it was just wide Uh, He's just free. Like his leg was freezing for forever. So you want to invest, you don't have to break the bank, but you want to, if you're going to do this, you want to invest in something proper.
1: I'd say if you're investing in something, pants are probably a good thing to um, pants are a good investment. You don't want to cheap out on pants.
0: Things you should not buy. Um, Cardboard belts have done that. They, they last, I think I had one literally last a single day. Um, Pants. Uh, unless they're going to be walmart pants because as we've already uh, established those are s tier Hmm. and um shoot i don't know (laughs) i don't know of a third thing toothpaste toothpaste like store brand toothpaste or uh low brand toothpaste that might explain why i have no teeth though so toothpaste (laughs) topic number two it's BDU slash ACU style pants, uh, as as Grantham defines these. Uh, they use good material, uh, 50-50 Nyco rip stop, meaning that if it does rip, it shouldn't rip all that far, unless of course it's on a seam, in which case it's probably going to travel up that seam, right? No melt, no drip. Uh, so once it ignites, and it will burn if you know put in a situation where it would, um, it hopefully will not melt to your skin. <coughs> uh but it will burn which is pretty intense but uh certainly a thing i would prefer not to have going on Mm. um they are a downside is that a lot of these tend to be a little baggy i suppose you could probably get some more customized ones but you're kind of defeating the purpose of operating in the second tier price point if you're going to do that uh frequently they work well and breathe well um and if you are of a size that is easily accessible at a you know, Army Navy store or hit a really good deal. They can be as cheap as like 10 to 35 bucks uh, if you can find them used. So uh, another thing he was mentioning uh, were some some very well-known brands that might fit in this zone. Uh, and he mentioned two uh that I think a lot of us would know, which is true spec and 511. So he's he posits that they're about the ACU BDU level of quality. I own personally a fair amount of Five Eleven. I think I own three or four pairs, might be a little less than that. They are exceptionally comfortable uh for concealed carry IWB. They've got the um elastic kind of in they've got stretchability in the waist that you can carry, uh, inside the waistband. Um, my grandfather actually introduced them to me, but I will say, um, I just threw out a pair of my five-eleven pants because one pair I owned completely wore through, uh, at the thigh after having been used to hike for a couple of years. Now I definitely got my money's worth out of these things. Mm -hmm. I think I spent like 50 bucks on the pair. So, you know, just take that for whatever it is. Um, but Again, I still used it for a couple of years, and they were good. They were good pants. But uh, Grand Thumb used a pair of True Spec pants uh, to go through what he called "team." Uh, I will confess to not knowing what that is. So, one of you that's a little more uh, high speed than me can can tell me. And he said that he had to essentially wear one pair of those pants for six months, uh, doing hard work, and they held up just fine. So, the True Spec pants in question are. Uh, the, the specific ones he referred to are 50-50 Nikko and Ripstop as well, with built-in knee pads, which is pretty much just a reinforced section of the pant. Uh, True-Spec cargo pockets reportedly constantly got torn on vegetation and needed a repair, but they were repairable. Something important to know is that True-Spec and 5.11 both have wide belt loops and are extremely supportive if you want to carry gear at that level. Again, I know this isn't a, you know, People carry more than this at the waist, but uh IWB holster. Uh paired, of course, with a proper belt. The uh, 511 pants never had issues with that. In fact, it was it was really pleasant. Uh cry type pants. This could be topic number three. These can be these can get expensive, but we're looking already at a hundred dollar price range for some of these. Cry field pants are Grand Thumb's favorite, reportedly, but um, hates that the pockets have Velcro, because uh, yeah, I, which I kind of get. Well, the um, actually, I think about it. I don't know if you can hear that on the microphone, but I have. I'm wearing five elevens right now, and uh, if you're in a place where you have to be quiet, the rip sound is just is <laughs> <laughs> really stupid. Um, there's not a, I don't think there's a kinder word to say that. It's really dumb. So I don't know. I don't think that was particularly well thought out But have,
1: have we considered zippers?
0: Yeah. And even, even um, actually, uh, Grantha mentioned he didn't like zippers, and I couldn't figure out why, but he said, if a zipper fouls up, there's nothing you can do in, in the field, theoretically, to repair it if you're out there for a while. But if you get buttons, if they fall off, you can sew it back on. Um, and, of course, just like zippers, I mean, zippers still make noise, but buttons are pretty <laughs> much dead silent,
1: as yeah. stone agey as they may feel to us now. Um, now. Now, could in theory, could you just sew buttons onto your uh, cry pants? I mean, I guess. Um,
0: generally, the, the kind of overlap, like the area of pant that overlaps for a zipper is gonna be smaller. Than the area that overlaps for buttons because the buttons are really big and thick because they're, uh. you know, fairly, uh, pressure weight bearing. So it would have to be a button sized appropriately for what I presume is probably going to be a smaller overlap. Um, and you might also need, you might not be able to do it cause you need a second layer. Generally with those things, you have two layers on the receiving mm-hmm. side of the buttons where you're buttoning into. And the first level is where you button it into and then the second level um covers the buttons and then the top button goes over both gotcha um i don't i mean i guess if you didn't care about the aesthetic you probably could it would be nice if they just did it though i have to imagine buttons might even be cheaper too um than zippers it's interesting anyway um the pants uh grantham noted are less baggy and they're properly high-waisted so if you like to wear low-waist pants sorry uh they have front pockets they have internal knee pads in there they have super reinforced hyper-stitched well uh wide belt loops um cry combat pants uh also have an extremely reinforced waist keep in mind cry field pants and cry combat pants are not the same thing um they have multiple stretch panels for comfort and durability um and they have adjustable height knee pads which is interesting so you can uh you can melt uh velcro down the external knee pads and uh, basically you can adjust because everybody's body is different right you can adjust where the knee pad is specifically so that it fits you as best as possible He also mentioned the Beyond Clothing A9 Uniform Pant as an internal knee pad. And then he had uh, a mention of a brand called Arcteryx, which I had never heard of. has a weird dead bird logo. Uh, If you've heard of Arcteryx, you know what I'm talking about. But uh, reportedly, they have this incredible build quality. Uh, They have an internal knee pad, but a thick reinforced fabric external. They have internal knee pad adjustments. The Arcteryx use is... Uh, their own type of fabric, reportedly. Uh, they have an excellent reputation, but the price is way higher. We're talking about the $300 range. Um, I think Ranthum even mentioned that it could be as high as $350. Um, but they also offer a flame-retardant pant, reportedly. And Dry Fire, also reportedly, is durable and can have flame-retardant. Uh, retardant properties which is pretty impressive i don't know like i don't think that has to be on the bucket list for every single person that's looking for technical pants or combat pants i don't know how many people are going to be directly spo- exposed to literal fire um but <laughs> it's still a cool thing right
1: um, yeah, if, if you're scarecrow from wizard of oz might be a good investment but i
0: yes that's valid. Um, if you're Scarecrow from Wizard of Oz and you've not already sold out for the Walmart sweatpants, um, which I would understand, mm. um, maybe check out Dry Fire. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be it for Tactical Pants. I think this could be a little miniature series. Are tactical blankety blanks really necessary? um, Mm -hmm. or a combat blankety blanks really necessary. And I think for this case, it just depends on what you're trying to do, right? There's two main purposes that I could see for this for civilians, right? Uh, for people that are using these pants outside of their job. If you're a security guard, if you work uh, in a field where this is necessary, I'm not counting you in this particular thing. One is going to be aesthetics. It just is. Um, if that's what you're into, I would probably recommend personally checking out something in the BDU, ACU area. Um, but I also, if you're just doing it for the aesthetics, find something else to spend your money on. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's kind of a waste of time. Um, if you want to use them for competitive shooting or something like that, especially if you're into knee pads, which I could certainly understand. Okay, you know, maybe give that a shot. Uh, otherwise, I would say maybe not. But the other reason outside of competitive shooting, I could see this uh, being a viable option for someone is if we did, um, you were trying to conceal carry uh, and wanted that kind of elastic to better uh, conceal, carry a firearm, especially inside the waistband. But if you've got a reinforced waist, that is going to help you quite a bit. And uh, that's a good thing to do. That's certainly, uh, when I think of tactical pants, that's what I think they're for. And I think that's where a lot of their use comes out of. I think that's where 5.11 gets a lot of their mileage. And um, for that purpose, if you are a concealed carrier, that might be worth checking out. Of course, as always, when it comes to concealed carry, check your state and local laws. Now, for our next segment, tales, Tales from range. Drew, who do we have today?
1: We have a very special person sharing their story with us. It is moon pie, which you know, I don't know if it's just a regional thing to the south. Uh but for those of you who have never had a moon pie, you're missing out. It's essentially like taking desert sand covered in mud and with a little cream and eating it.
0: That but is exactly so- correct. When you said you're missing out I was getting ready to fight you because they
1: are not good they are not good i disagree what i disagree there is something quintessential to the southern experience about sitting on your porch having a moon pie in one hand and rc cola in the other
0: royal crown don't you bring royal crown into this that's they're a civilian and they are innocent
1: (laughs) anyway so uh, this comes from a, from uh, the user MoonPie from a website called Texas Gun Talk. And uh, this took place at his gun club. I'm going to quote him. There had been a lot of rain. Behind the firing line was a small creek that was normally dry. But with all the rain, the little creek was backed up in full water. About two feet deep, I was moving shooting gear from the vehicle to the firing tables when I noticed something. Floating in the water just off the pathway. Curiosity peaked. I looked a bit closer. Something descended below the water. It wasn't something, it was a huge alligator, a good 12 foot. And here I was, about six feet away from it, with nothing between it and myself. I carumba. Have you ever seen an old fat man do backward flips? Yes. You would have. You have? Yes. You would have, if you'd been there. The gator just sank down onto the bottom and sat there. Being a kid at heart, I just had to mess with that thing. So I I looked around. Yeah. (laughs) I decided to mess with the gator. Uh, Regardless. So I looked around and picked up some empty brass that was lying on the ground nearby, and I proceeded to chunk thirty odd oh, six cases at the Gator. Ugh. Mr. Gator, and Mr. Gator did not like that, uh, which I would imagine be the understatement of the year. Seriously, he came up snapping a thrash, and every time I threw something at him, shooting it was a no go for many reasons. <laughs> least of which was instant expulsion from said club. I kept throwing anything and everything I could get my hands on. After a while, Mr. Gator grew tired of the barrage, moved on down the creek.
0: This just Moon Pie, I need you to hear me right now.
1: What would you say to Moon Pie if he was here right now?
0: I would say don't mess with... I mean, First of all, don't throw cases at something that can eat cases, because that's just not that's not cool um but see, don't poke like you know how they say don't poke the bear like mm-hmm. yeah don't poke the reptile bear <laughs> <laughs> maybe um that would be super cool if you didn't do that in fact i will add to my own alligator story and, and why i'm so scared of alligators to this day not unlike captain hook Although no one has, Dustin Hoffman has never played me. The, um, never could. he never could. That's true. His face is not round enough. So years and years ago now, almost 10 years ago at this point, I went, uh, kayaking with my grandfather in very Southeast, uh, North Carolina, mm-hmm. Southeast North Carolina. For those of you who live in North Carolina, know that's, you know, you don't alligators are extremely uncommon in North Carolina in 99% of the state, but they are making a comeback and they are like, you can buy a, a, enter a lottery to get a hunting license to pursue alligator in North Carolina. That is a thing, or at least was a few years ago. Um, and the, the area I was in, part of it was a nature preserve and part of it was a place you could go kayaking. And, uh, my grandfather who kind of planned our little expedition mistook the sides of the Island. We were on one half was a nature preserve and one half was kind of kayak friendly launching points. And he set us up to launch into the nature preserve. Um, I had never kayaked before. Um, I got in the kayak and as I'm being, uh, some kind of, you know, doing the, the awkward waddle into the water, shifting my weight to get launched. I look to my right, and there is a alligator that was local, say it's 18 feet long, like it's a well known entity uh, in the area. I don't know that it was fully 18 feet long, uh, but it was very large looking at me. And that thing freaking yeeted itself into the water. With a quickness, it did not do the little graceful slide. It like there was a splash as a big alligator. And that thing, I presume I launched from its nest because uh, that thing pursued me and uh, it pulled up to the side of my kayak as I am so quickly. Learning how to master the kayak so I can move as quickly as humanly possible and uh, it, it pops up with its head, uh, I don't know, within six feet of me oh, pretty comfortably goodness. is it was right there. Uh, I couldn't have reached it with my hand, but I could have easily with the paddle. Mm-hmm. And the only thing in my head, I, I, I had two thoughts. One was there is a legitimate chance. I do not survive this encounter. Uh, the second thought was that thing's head is as large as my torso is. Um. Which is a very scary thing to realize um, when the creature in question is not stuffed. Um, So eventually it it laid off. I presume it just settled into the bottom or, you know, decided it, it, you know, I had been terrified sufficiently, um, but I, launched myself out of the water as quickly as possible accidentally into the backyard of a local resident Oh wow. um but that was my tail with an alligator that was i think the most scared i've ever been in a single moment it's like this is
1: yeah i, I mean donzo <laughs> i mean 18 18 feet like that that's dang near two basketball goals like stacked on top of each other i don't yeah. know It it, just saying it out loud, like, "Oh, it's a you know, twelve foot, eighteen foot." You know, it doesn't necessarily sound that impressive until you have the visualization, and then you're thinking, "Good grief, I think it's a dinosaur."
0: Yeah, if you look at them, I mean, you go to the zoo, Hmm. and um, and you look at them, you'll see this is not something from. Our world. <laughs> like just isn't. A quick Wikipedia search claims that they can uh they normally get up from 11.2 feet to 15.1 feet. Um, of course, tall tales will probably, you know, by the time I tell that story 10 years from now, it will the the alligator in question will be 45 feet long. But uh, I don't know what what is the longest. I will look up longest American alligator on record. Interesting. Okay, so from ourplanet.com, uh, the longest alligator ever recorded was the Alabama alligator or the Stokes alligator, uh, and it was recorded to be fifteen feet and nine inches long. Mother of, uh, there's a photo and its ah um. It's a thousand pounds, or a thousand eleven point five pounds, and um, that head looks awful familiar.
1: Yeah. So, gators and tactical pants. It's been, a it's great been a episode. journey. Yes, we've come a long way. Yeah, it's been gators good for in now. In tactical pants. Now that's Ooh, an episode. That, well, that's
0: that's when humanity is is no longer the dominant species
1: on this yeah. earth. How does a gator wear pants?
0: How does a gator wear pants? One leg at a time, just like the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> I've gone
1: off the rails.
0: This is this this is spiraling. So I'm gonna let it go, uh, guys. Thank you for listening, and uh, we'll see you at the range. Sonoran Desert Institute is an online school located at 1555 West University Drive in Tempe, Arizona. Accredited by the DEAC. For more information, please call 800-336-8939 or visit SBI.edu.